Welcome to Taiwan Talk. I'm your host, Alex Lewis. This week, we speak to Marine Mikozzi, the head of communications and information at the World Vegetable Center. The World Vegetable Center, previously known as the Asian Vegetable Research and Development Center, is an international nonprofit institute for vegetable research and development. <laughs> Just to tell you my background, I've been here about 10 years, um, and I came here from Singapore, where I had been living for about 15 years. I'm originally from the U.S., and I have a background in communications work, and that's what I do, and I'm doing it here for the center now. So, Oh, excellent. So how did you start working for World Veg Center? Well, actually, I was on a holiday here, and I saw an ad in the newspaper, <laughs> and I applied for the job and got the job. So that's that's actually how I landed here. But I have a background in uh, communications, but also in sustainable development and agriculture. So. Oh, I see. So you're yeah. kind of like a perfect fit for it. Yeah, it was a good match. What can you tell me about uh, the center? Give me a little brief overview. Okay. Well, one of the things you asked was, why Taiwan was chosen as the location mm -hmm. for our center. So we were founded back in 1971, and that was as the Asian Vegetable Research and Development Center. And this, you know, around this time, a lot of other large international agricultural research institutes um, for crops like rice or maize were being established. These are staple crops to address hunger worldwide. But these kinds of crops, you know, they can help alleviate hunger, but alone they can't address much more complex issues of malnutrition. So if you don't have minerals, you don't have vitamins, proteins, phytonutrients, uh, you're suffering from what we call hidden hunger. And without these, you can't have a healthy or balanced diet. And if you're malnourished, it's hard to work, it's hard to learn, it's just hard to function. So... Vegetables, they're the best source of these micronutrients. And at the time, a number of different countries, uh, the U.S., Taiwan, Japan, Philippines, Thailand, Korea, Vietnam, uh, got some support from the Asian Development Bank. And they advocated to create a research center that would address uh, vegetable research and set it in Asia. So Taiwan Sugar Company offered the land and we now have our main research campus here in Shanghua on about 112 hectares. And because there's an important global need for nutritious vegetables, over time our work expanded beyond Asia, and we're now at the World Vegetable Center. Uh, you are uniquely positioned to, I guess, respond to that uh, UN report that found that 486 million people in Asia uh, are still hungry and that progress is stalled on that front. What does that yes. report tell you about the efforts that World Veg needs to take or, you know, anything like that? Well, it's, it's certainly a concern for organizations like ours. We are working towards the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and they are challenging to reach. But with considerable effort, they can be attained. And it means that we just have to double down on our efforts to breed and improve vegetable varieties make sure that farmers are aware of good production practices and also work through the entire what we call vegetable value chain from the field all the way to the table to make sure that people can access 
healthy vegetables to add to their diets. You know, we are always working to strengthen that chain at a lot of different points. And in some countries, it can be quite weak. Um, you know, farmers might not be able to access good quality seed or uh, at a market, there's no place to store vegetables, you know, so they're perishable and people can't get good fresh vegetables. Mm. What are some uh, what are some of those regions that you're focusing on right now that try to prop up that uh, that chain? Right. Well, we have five regional offices around the world um, in Thailand, India, and we have three now in Africa, in Tanzania, Mali, and we just opened one in Benin as well. And we focus primarily on developing countries in East and Southeast Asia, South Asia, Central Asia as well, and then throughout Sub-Saharan Africa. And we also do some work in Oceania, too. What is the scope and influence of the organization? Do you uh, lobby uh, politicians and political groups or anything like that, or is it more focused on the, the science behind it? Primarily, you know, we are trying to strengthen this entire vegetable value chain to make sure that people can take advantage of the economic and the nutritional power of vegetables because they are very important crops for health and for healthy agricultural economies. So we do that in a a number of different ways. Of course, we do some basic research. We do vegetable breeding. We work on seed systems uh, so that farmers can access seed when they need it, develop better production methods so farmers can use less pesticides, and also work on creating awareness of what a healthy diet is and how people can improve their diets with vegetables. And part of that does involve working with governments and promoting different policies that can help um, enhance some of those activities. For instance, a seed distribution within a company, excuse me, within a country is usually managed by the government, and they have policies that can favor or make it more difficult for good quality seed to be distributed. So we want to work on some of those things, and what we've done is set up seed consortiums in both Asia and Africa. We have two, and we invite seed companies to join so uh, we can work together with them on research issues, but also on some of these policy matters as well. What are some of the main projects, the top two projects that you're working on in terms of significance uh, right now? Yeah, well, usually we have about 40 or so projects going on around the world at oh, a wow, time. Oh, wow, that's a lot, yeah. Yeah, so, and they can be large or small. They can range from basic plant breeding work to things, you know, socioeconomic studies of farming communities. So uh, right now, one example is we're working on a big project that's funded by uh, UK Aid and that's to breed very hardy and nutritious uh, amaranth, which is a leafy green, but also is a crop that can produce a nutritious grain as well. So it's kind of a dual-purpose crop. So amaranth, tomato, chili pepper, and mung beans, specifically for countries in East Africa. So we have to do the selection of the plants there, make sure they're well adapted to the areas where we want to distribute the seed, and then work with the seed systems in those countries so that farmers can get the seed when they need it. So that that's a big project we've got going on right now. Um, we have uh, a projects in India and Bangladesh that are funded by Germany uh, where we are trying to design alternatives to pesticide use to control insects, and we're working with different partners to promote these options, uh, make them more popular with farmers, 
And this can include things like what we call protected cultivation, which is growing in a screenhouse or a net house, or making formulations from a fungi that are biologically safe, farmers can use to control pests. Uh, we're working on a big project with the Crop Trust. I don't know if you're familiar with that organization. They are the international organization that manages the Svalbard Seed Vault, which uh, some people call the Doomsday Vault. Now, perhaps you've heard of that. It's up there in Svalbard, way up past the Arctic Circle, and it's a place where gene banks from all around the world can store their seed and if for some reason there's a problem with their collection, they can get that seed out of the gene bank and restore their collection. So here at World Veg, uh, we have one of the world's largest public collections of vegetable seed right here in Taiwan. It's kind of an amazing thing. It's really a treasure for the entire world. And we are really privileged to have it here. And we have part of our collection also maintained up in Svalbard and protected up there. So uh, we work with Crop Trust, and they're helping to support our gene bank. Oh, gosh, we've got so many. Uh, we work with the U.S. and Cambodia, Mali, Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. We distribute seed kits and provide training on home gardening, which is a great way for people to have fresh vegetables right at their doorstep. Very important to get those nutrients into the diet. And then we also work with Taiwan research institutions and universities as well. Every year we have annual projects with them, and those typically focus on issues that are important to Taiwan agriculture, usually, for instance, the control of a specific plant disease like bacterial wilt or something like that. So, so we have quite a range worldwide of the things that we work on. That sounds amazing. Uh, so let's go back. Let's go sure. back to the public, uh, the world's largest public uh, seed, or I guess a germ germplasm collection. Yes, you a could seed say. collection. Uh, so when you say public, people can go and visit this collection. Because we're a research institution, we're primarily open to visitors who have a specific professional interest in agricultural research. So that would be university faculties, seed companies, and so on. But uh, from time to time, we do have public open days. You know, so I'll be sure to let your ICRT listeners know the next time we've got one coming up. Mm, please and thank you. Can you help me illustrate the, I guess, the impact that World Veg has had on, uh, on produce? So if, if uh, I were to go to browse a vegetable market, if I look around, like what uh, tangible effect has World Veg had on the produce on display? Sure. Um, you know, worldwide, our breeders have been responsible for about 600 improved varieties in more than 70 countries, and uh, that just has a huge impact on some local economies. Um, we develop, when, when I say improvements, you know, we're looking at things like heat and drought tolerance, which is just becoming more and more important as climate is changing, or resistance to pests and diseases. It's so much better if the plant itself is resistant. That way the farmer doesn't have to apply pesticides to control those pests. Um, but also things like nutritional characteristics as well. We want to enhance those and make sure that they're there so when people eat those vegetables, they're going to get that nutritional benefit. So we've had a lot of success over time in doing work with breeding tomatoes and peppers, especially for tropical areas. And another important crop for us is mung bean, 
very high in protein, grows very fast. It enriches the soil with nitrogen. It's really a valuable crop to have in different kinds of production systems. So, for instance, in Myanmar, they are a global leader in mung bean production, and about 75% of the farmers there plant world veg varieties. So we've had a lot of impact in different areas. Now, in Taiwan, our breeding materials are used by Taiwan seed companies, and we've had about 50 or so varieties developed by World Veg that have been released in Taiwan. So it's quite likely that some of the sweet peppers or pumpkin that you see in the market today originated here at World Veg. Collaborating with governments and other organizations,、uh, international organizations worldwide, is there ever a problem with、uh, World Veg Center being headquartered in Taiwan, like political issues or anything like that?、Uh, it can be challenging at times.、Um, we do run into instances where perhaps we can't participate in certain conferences or obtain funding from particular donor. Because of our location, but we do have regional bases, and that helps sometimes to mitigate that. And then, how about the state of agriculture、uh, as a whole, or I guess globally, or if you want to go, you know, region by region, that would be good. Because I know in Taiwan, the average age of farmers is getting pretty high up there, like around sixty years old,、mm-hmm. um, which kind of points to yeah, that, that's a know. huge problem worldwide.、Uh, surprisingly, many people don't want to go into agriculture. Many young people have no interest. They think of it as a kind of an old, old activity for old people, and it doesn't seem very technologically advanced. But actually, that's、uh, that's changing very rapidly. Agriculture is becoming, and horticulture in particular, producing fruit and vegetables, is becoming a very kind of high-tech、uh, activity and one where there are so many opportunities. So, for instance, in Africa. What's happening is you've got a lot of young people who are moving into cities, but they have no work. But of course, everybody who's there has got to eat, and if these young people can get into horticulture, producing for urban areas, there's a huge market there that is really untapped. But they need skills, and they need support. They need credit, access to credit, and things like fertilizer and so on, and good quality seed. So. One project, for instance, we've been working on in Africa is getting young people to work together in groups, where they can then approach suppliers. They can set up contracts. They do group saving, so they have money to support their activities going forward in the future. And they take a real business approach to horticulture, and that's been quite successful as well. So, I think worldwide there needs to be kind of a kind of a change in how we view agriculture. It's absolutely essential to human life on Earth, and we have to do it well. And the more that we can employ technologies to make it easier and safer and healthier,、um, it's a great opportunity for young people to get into. Okay, I agree.、Uh, I remember I had a I had a roommate who was from Australia, and he said that one of his friends. He had a chicken farm, and then really big chicken farm, actually. And、yeah. then,、uh, speaking of high tech, they had this machine that would just go over the ground because they they were just free range chickens, and they would just pick up the eggs that were just laid on the ground or in the nest or anything like that. <laughs>、yeah. And this was a while ago. This is maybe like twenty. Yeah, 2013. and you know, Taiwan is really, I think, a leader in that regard with technologies for agriculture、uh, that are suited for small-scale farms. Because you see, you know, most of the farms in Taiwan are not huge, but they're very savvy about the kinds of technologies that they apply. 
And one of the things that we like to do is bring people here so they can see how agriculture is done in Taiwan. They really learn a lot. And it's quite exciting for people to see the technologies that are applied here. Yeah, is there like a, a collaboration or um, some sort of partnership with some of the tech companies or manufacturing companies here? We work with people, you know, public, private, different uh, companies that uh, may have nothing to do with agriculture but might do engineering work, for instance. It, it depends on the project and what the needs are of a specific project. But yes, you know, we work with all different kinds of organizations and companies to achieve some of our goals. So, okay. absolutely. Um, so let's talk about GMOs. What is the World Veg Center's stance on GMOs? And can you explain <laughs> okay. a little bit about that stance as well? Well, um, you know that people have been doing genetic modification to plants and animals for 10,000 years. I mean, since we discovered agriculture, that's what it's all about. So we've been selecting crops. We've been breeding them for particular traits. And if we hadn't done that, I mean, we'd still be hunting and gathering for our food supply. So it's changing plants is how we create our food. But today, of course, you know, researchers, they can take a gene from one species, put it into another species. That's what we call transgenic modification. But a lot of countries won't allow in vegetables that are produced in this way. So we have the capacity here to do that kind of research work, but we don't do we don't do it because um, whatever we produce, we would never be able to distribute in in most countries. It's really a challenging thing. Okay, so it's uh, it is a very political topic in nature. Yeah, it is. But you know, science never stays still. Mm. Things are always changing, and now there are other methods of genetic modification. Um, Right now, there's something called CRISPR-Cas9, which is a way to snip out a piece of a plant's DNA to bring about a, a particular effect. Uh, we are looking at that technique. I think when you do research, it's important you've got to keep your options open because we are going to need access to so many different tools and techniques and technologies to be able to ensure that we can produce a healthy and sustainable food supply for you know, we're going to have 9 billion people by 2050. So we need to have every possible technique at our disposal to be able to do that. Yeah, but would you say that GMOs is kind of the next logical step in, you know, the cultivation of plants or vegetables and produce? Well, not necessarily, because one thing that's happening in tandem with these GMO technologies is also being able to just very quickly and rapidly analyze the genetic makeup of a plant. And when you can do that, then you can select plants for breeding in a much faster way. Typically, to breed a, a, an improvement in a variety, it might take maybe 8 to 10 years. But with some of the tools we have now, we can just select the plants we want but do it much faster. And that cr helps the breeders go through their breeding cycles more quickly and get a, the improvement in a plant you know, out to the market faster. So GMO, you know, it, it depends. It's a tool. It's something we have if we need to use it. But right now, we're not focusing our attention there. Okay. And, and as with any tool, it's how you use it that's really important, I guess. Right. I think so. Okay. So what are the plans for World Veg for the next uh, year or two? Uh, well, 
We've got some exciting things happening here because we are going to be embarking on a major redevelopment of our lab and research facilities and infrastructure. I mean, things are getting a little old here after 40 years, and so we are really excited about being able to make these improvements to our research facilities. And our goal is really to create what we call an open science center. We want to have many more students come here, uh, visiting scientists, visiting professors, uh, come and work at World Veg in Taiwan and be exposed to uh, agriculture in Taiwan as well. So that's the biggest thing on the horizon for us, and we've just started talking to architects and developing our plans, and so it, it'll be a big job but an exciting one. And at the end, I think we'll have something beautiful and functional, too. How do you get the financing for such a, uh, a renovation? Uh, we were very fortunate to receive a grant from Taiwan to be able to do that. So we are delighted and grateful to have it. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that, uh, that we didn't touch on yet? Um, you want to know about our donor situation? or? Oh, sure. I'd love you know, to. Um, you know, our funding comes from a number of different sources. So we have governments... Uh, government support from Taiwan, United States, United Kingdom, Australia, Germany. Those are some of our big ones. And then some of our founding countries still provide support, uh, Japan, Korea, Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines. Uh, but we also write grants for different foundations. For instance, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you may be familiar with that, or the Rockefeller Foundation. And we will uh, submit proposals to try and get funding for different uh, projects and ideas that we would like to, to do. And then from time to time, um, we work with seed companies on specific research topics, and they will provide support for that. So those are really our three streams of funding. Mm, okay. So uh, would any like just regular person, like if I wanted to donate, could I do so? Um, we're working on that. <laughs> Actually, we're developing a donation page. Uh, in the past, we haven't uh, we haven't gone down that road, but every now and again, we have people who ask us, so we'd like to make it easier for them to do so, and uh, we hope to have that ready in 2019. Thank you to Maureen McCausey, the Head of Communications and Information at World Vegetable Center, for coming on the show. And that's it for this week's Taiwan Talk. I'm Alex Lewis.